0: Hello and welcome to the Behind the Badge podcast, a podcast that aims to delve into the emotional connections between all English football league clubs and their fans. I'm your host Joe and today I speak to Tom, a Brighton & Hove Albion fan who has watched the club for over 20 years. He's experienced the highs and lows of an incredible journey which has led to the Albion playing in European competition for the first time in their history. So without further ado, let's delve Behind the Badge. Hello Tom, welcome to the Behind the Badge podcast. Um for the first pilot episode, um we are going to be doing this on Brighton and Hove Albion. Now I told you before we went on air Tom, this is going to be a hard one for me because I have to be completely impartial. Um and you you know as much as anyone that I love this football club, but we're going to get your authentic answers about how you feel about this football club as if you were talking to somebody that didn't know anything about football, right? yep um so first of all tom how are you mate how, have you, oh, have yeah. you been all right
1: yeah i'm doing all right it's um a rainy one in the west midlands uh, today uh so was gonna go on a dog walk uh but the rain hit so i was i messaged you i was like joe any chance that you want to do the podcast now and you've been very gracious in accommodating that request uh but no i've had a good day mate. thank you mate amy's been at work my wife so i've been uh, looking after our little boy um, but no, it's been a been a good day so far. How about you, mate? How are you keeping?
0: Good, good. Yes, I'm all right, mate. Yeah. Um as as you know, the the Brighton Twitter sphere is going crazy, but we won't talk about that too much. Um let's just dive straight into why you support Brighton and Albion Football Club and the whole story of Tom Budgeon, the Brighton supporter. Um so basically, Tom, the first question is why? Why Brighton?
1: Um very boring answer is that it's because it's my local club. Um, Obviously, it's a bit deeper than that. But in premise, it's because it was the club that was, I suppose, the biggest club in Sussex when I was growing up, um, which is somewhat strange considering all the terrible things that were happening in the 90s. Um, But it was my dad's football club and it was my granddad's football club because they were local Sussex lads. So they grew up in their own generation supporting Brighton and Hove Albion because it was the local team. Um, you know, when I was a kid, when I was younger, um, I didn't go to the Goldstone. Um, it was at a time when things weren't great, uh, behind the scenes, um, a lot of upheaval there. Um, so my dad obviously didn't feel like it was a place that he would want to take a five-year-old, which, you know, more than fair to him. Um, but now i got my first taste of uh, Brighton and Hove Albion football in the flesh when I was about 10 years old, uh, 1999, at the Withdean. Um, and I've been hooked ever since. Um, but to answer your question, Joe, the reality is that it was just my local team. And I'm a big believer in supporting your local team rather than going off to support whichever team's doing well, um, as it were. It just so happens that it's quite nice now that Brighton are doing so well.
0: <laughs> there you go um and i I always find the phrase i've all and then I've been hooked since I always like that phrase because there's always a specific moment that you fall in love with your football club um do you can you pinpoint the moment for you that you you' completely fell for for
1: your football club i i I probably do a bit of a disservice there to say I was completely hooked from the moment one was probably false um And I'll get into that in a bit. But I suppose for me, Brighton has always been about family. My first experiences of going to football were with my dad and my granddad. Um, And most of my experiences of going to Brighton Hove Albion at the Withdean, I was with my dad. More often than not, my granddad, my cousin, my uncle. So for me, it was always about family. So my first sort of emotional connection to the club isn't actually about the football that was being played at all. It was all family. Um, and as I grew up um, and as I got older, you know, it sort of Brighton & Hove album just weaved its way into my life because of family. Um, people like Bobby Zamora, when I was a, a young lad, were my footballing idols. Um, you know, I wanted to be a striker. I wasn't a striker. Whenever I played football, I was always a central midfielder. But there was always that when you're pretending in the park to to be people. You know, my friends would want to be Michael Owen, Alan Shearer, David Beckham, and there was me, Bobby Zamora, you know, that was who I wanted to be. So um, growing up, it was more about family, but then because of the success we were seeing on the pitch, again, it made it more fun to to support the club. Um, I won't lie and sit here and say that I've supported them as much as I do now all the way through. There was a period in my life where I sort of fell out of love with the game. Um, perhaps that was mainly because of the people i was friends with that which isn't you know saying they were bad friends at all i'm just saying that you know they weren't into football so it became less of an important fact um for me so um, how did how
0: did you then sorry to cut in but how did no. you f- then refine that love for for the game yeah. what what was that moment like
1: yeah well it wasn't when we got promoted to the premier league it was long before that it was actually even long before we got the amex um i've probably fell out of love Around 2005-ish, again, to say I fell out of love is a bit strong. I I lost a bit of interest. Um, But then a few years later, when I went off to university, um, some of the friends I made there were very much into their football. So, you know, we spent most of our Saturdays down in a pub somewhere watching the scores come in. Um, And that's, I suppose, when I started getting interested in football as an overall arching thing in general again um and then you know started watching the brighton scores come in a bit more started um you know listening um from from afar um so kind of getting back into the swing of things you know um and then obviously we had the 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 great escape in like the 2008 2009 season then Gus Poyet came in and then again it just sort of like revitalized my my love of the club and my love of football um but a lot of it, in all honesty, is just down to the, the friends I had. And because the friends I made at university had a, an interest in football, it made me more interested in football again after a, probably about, i say about a three-year sort of absence from, from football and Brighton and Hove Albion.
0: Yeah, no, spot on. Um, you spoke a little bit already about the players that made you fall in love with the game. Um, but I, I guess you could give me like a, a longer answer on this if there's more than one player, but who is who who's that player for you that has meant the most to you watching them play in in your club's colors
1: mm. um as i have already mentioned him bobby Zamora. he was the uh the player i grew up idolizing um i think you know he was just such an exciting player to to watch at the widthin um so prolific the fact you know he went on to to cap for england play in the premier league um and then he eventually did return to brighton so his story is um you know a really remarkable one and when he returned to brighton you know i i did get quite choked up about that because it's like watching your boyhood hero return so that was a big thing um other players uh, gary hart for me was always a, a really fantastic player um you know sign he, he he stayed with us throughout the with Dean years he was just such a fantastic player pretty much played anywhere Um, So he was always a player that was, um, you know, I always thought very highly of Adam Virgo, um, you know, club legend in his own right. Um, And then more recently, the likes of Lewis Dunk, you know, local Sussex lad from with Dean to Wembley. He just personifies what this club has been through, really. Um, So there are lots of players that I have looked up to. But if I have to give you one from the with Dean years, I'd probably go Bobby Zamora. And one from now, it would be Lewis Dunk.
0: That's very fair answers. Um, Now, Tom, football without goals would be nothing, right? Um, I think that's a pretty fair statement. So what goal has meant the most to you personally? It doesn't have to be the best goal you've seen like skill wise, but for a moment in your life or for a moment in your club's history, what one has stood out for you?
1: Oh, there's so many. Um, I mean, as a Brighton fan, it's it's hard to look historically past the Stuart Storer and Robbie out goals um, that happened in 1997. Um, the one that, that meant that we, 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 we you know, we, we beat Doncaster at the last game of the Goldstone um, and then Robbie Ryanout's goal against Hereford that fundamentally saved our club. You know, it's hard to look past those two goals. Um, however... As I was too young to appreciate that at the time. Um my the the best experience of a goal I've ever I've ever had, um, just for the sheer limbs and just how excited I was at the time was probably when Liano, Le- 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 Leandro Ujoa um he scored the last minute winner at Nottingham Forest um in Oscar Garcia's single year at the club. Um we had heard I think it was Reading. Reading had uh, got the result they needed. And uh, as things stood at 1-1, it looked like uh, they'd go into the playoffs ahead of Brighton and over Albion. Um, but for Ujoa to, uh, to to score in that last minute, was um, it was a very emotional experience. You know, it was just complete and utter chaos behind that goal. Um, so that was a, a fantastic goal to see in the flesh one that will probably stay with me for a very long time just because of what it meant. Um, you know, we did unfortunately um, not perform too well in those uh, playoff games that came after that. But in that moment, that goal, um, that was truly spectacular to to be a fan in the stadium at the time. Um, so yeah, that would probably be my sort of my more recent sort of personal experience goal, if you like.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess Maybe this question sort of coincides with that and you could possibly choose the game that that goal came in. But what game as a whole has has really meant the most to you personally? Has there ever been a game where you're like, I will look back on this one um, and it will be held in high regard forever, no matter what happens next?
1: I think the game against Wigan, where we got promoted to the Premier League, um, I think that game where... Although it was one of those games where we knew at the end that we weren't technically promoted because our goal difference was just such an extent that we couldn't be caught, not really. Um, And for me, getting promoted into the Premier League was something I never thought I would see as a Brighton fan. I, I never thought it would happen. Most of my time spent supporting Brighton, we've been knocking in and around League One. You know, started in League Two, went up to the championship, got relegated. Um, and then, you know, so to go from the with Dean, you know, the time before that, you know, the Goldstone, everything that happened with, with selling the Goldstone, going to Gillingham, going to with Dean. And then suddenly this club that has been at one of the worst grounds in, in the football league has come to the Amex, it's spent time in the championship, it's grown steadily. And then suddenly we're going we're gonna to hit the heights of the Premier League and we're going to be playing in the arguably the best league in the world. And for me, it was just that journey of going from this ramshackled stadium with a running track around it, sitting in the freezing cold, the pouring rain, to suddenly the big leagues. That was a, it, was a, it was a monumental feeling to suddenly think, you know, how far we've come in a relatively short space of time and we did it without the i mean don't get me wrong tony blooms tony bloom's investment has been uh, you know critical in that but we've done it in a way where we haven't just thrown money at it we've done it in a way that i think is very admirable
0: yeah definitely i think a lot of people would agree with that even outside of brighton hove albion football club um can you take me back to that day then on 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 that wigan day I, um were you there um, or if you weren't there how was you feeling before the game emotionally and 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 throughout the game and when the goals were scored were there any hairy moments in the game where you thought this isn't going to happen because obviously it's a big season leading up to that moment and 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 now is the 90 minutes that will define where your club goes next what was that like
1: I wasn't at the game. No, unfortunately not. I mean, I now live in the West Midlands, um, which I know in the grand scheme of things isn't too far away, but it's still 200 miles or, you know, a three, four hour journey, um, Costa petrol, all that sort of thing. So there's, a, there's always been a few, you know, things in life that happen, which means unfortunately you can't get down to as many games as you'd like to. And this was a particular game that I couldn't get down to see. So I was Watching a stream, I was listening to Johnny Cantor and Warren on the uh, on the radio, and um, it was one of those games where we knew that if we win, it would almost mathematically mean that you know we we'd we'd be promoted. And again, there was a sense of disbelief before before a ball had been kicked that we were even in this situation. After years of trying, after years of you know heartache, as it were, two you know bad playoff runs um and then missing out on automatic promotion the previous season as well so it, it'd been quite a uh you know a long time coming so to, to just be like 90 minutes away from getting the result we needed was a was a huge thing there were nerves throughout the game but you know when you know when you've got people like glenn murray you you, you always feel like something can happen and glenn has always been a, a prolific goal scorer for us so and then Solly March scoring. I was in dreamland, Joe. That was an absolute dreamland. A local boy as well, you know, from Hailsham, scoring the goal that would ultimately send um, Brighton to the Premier League because obviously Wigan uh, scored themselves. But it didn't matter. Um, if I'm completely honest, I can't really remember much of the actual details of that game bar the goals. Um, but I remember when that that whistle went. I remember just being in complete and utter shock. Um, I had a little cry, um, just because I couldn't believe it. I could not believe this little club that I'd been, uh, you know, following since I was ten years old, had achieved this this remarkable thing. And I remember watching the scenes that that followed, um, with the the players and Bloom and Barber and the the, the crowd coming onto the pitch, um, and I was. You know, I was so so overwhelmed with happiness and emotion, and I watched those videos for hours afterwards. I was glued to my computer screen. I was glued to my phone screen, watching the videos of the players going into town, going on the train. It was it was it was wonderful to experience that from afar. I would have much preferred to experience it in person, um, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be for me. But it's not about me. It was about the wider Brighton-Hove Albion community and just to see the joy that that game, those moments brought was, um, you know, that will stay with me for a very long time. And I've got the uh, the book, We're On Our Way. Um, and I flick through that quite quite often just to remember those those wonderful moments um, of that, what was an, a monumental season, fantastic players, fantastic coach from Chrissy Houghton. just fantastic, wonderful, wonderful achievement for the club.
0: What was the um? What what was your feeling throughout that season? When was that moment that you thought, yeah, that nah, actually we we are we're getting promoted? Was it the final? Well, no, it was actually game. the season
1: what? before. It was the season was before it? when Racinia did his chin up. Um, I just there was something about the way that that season ended. Um, the Sheffield Wednesday game when the Amex was absolutely bouncing, and we didn't quite get there. I knew that I just I I don't know how to explain it. I knew then that we were gonna go on the next season and we were gonna do it one better. Because the progression under Tony Bloom would suggest such a thing, you know, every year bar the, the year of Sammy Hupia, we've just improved and improved and improved. And as soon as Rossinia did that little chin up, and then we we played the the home tie and the Amex was bouncing. I knew that if we didn't go up. Then it would be the following year, and that season for me, there were just moments through, throughout that season that you just went, Yeah, this is our year. The goals, um, the you know, Pocagnoli free kick against QPR, a ground that I don't think we had won at for a long time, if ever. Uh, Glenn Murray scoring a last minute winner against Birmingham, which I had the pleasure of witnessing in the flesh. Um, those moments that I was just like, Yep, everything I believed after that playoff defeat, Sheffield Wednesday, everything I thought I knew then, I know now. Um, and then it just it just builds and builds and builds. And then that that game against Wigan, it was just like, yeah, we've got this, we can do this. And we did, we did it. I
0: think hindsight is obviously the best thing possible, really. But if Brighton had got promoted the season before, so Resenia's headlift didn't, exist and Brighton got promoted by other players do you think they would have been ready at that point or or are you a big believer on things happen when they're meant to happen
1: um I know that the higher-ups I think it was a uh, Paul Barber said that they wouldn't have been ready I don't know how much I believe of that I think we would have been ready I think if we'd gone up under Gus in 2012 I think we would have struggled then uh, if we'd gone up under Oscar Garcia, I think we would have struggled then. But I think in that first full season of Chris Hewton, I think we would have been okay. Whether things would have planned out the same as they have done, probably not. But I think we would have been okay. I don't think we would have been any worse off, let's just say that. Um, that was a really close run season. It came down to goal difference. Um you know, it, I think we would have, we would have been ready or as, you know, I don't think that a year would have changed too much, not in the grand scheme of things anyway.
0: That's fair. Um, I know you're going to like this next section, Tom, and I think you know what it's going to be about when I've just said that. Um <laughs> What shirt do you think defines your club? One shirt.
1: Oh, one, my goodness to define the shirt
0: define your club
1: Oh your shirt. God, that is a really hard one well i'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be one that's got blue and white stripes um it's hard to look past probably the two, hmm, i want to say the the 1999 2000 shirt the first with dean shirt the first shirt from a homecoming um That shirt symbolizes Brighton coming back to to Brighton. It symbolizes the start of a long, long journey to get us a real permanent home. It symbolizes the start of the journey to get us to the Premier League. And it also has one of the most iconic sponsors of any football shirt ever, in my opinion. Skint was perfect because we were skint. And um, you know, I think it was a really good good ploy from Dick Knight to get the skint records, to drop the records so it would just be skint. Um, so for me, I mean, it also coincides that that's probably my favourite shirt. It was the first shirt I ever owned. But as I say, it's because it's the shirt from the year that that journey started. I mean, you could go back and say, well, actually that journey started long before. And that's fair. But for me, that's probably the most iconic one the first shirt that Brighton wore back in Brighton.
0: Yeah, I think not many would disagree, um, but that's for another conversation. Hmm. Um, You've touched on it already about the wider Brighton community. So your club's community, Tom, Hmm. tell me about that.
1: Um, So I suppose when we talk about community, there's different ways you can sort of, you you can do it. You could do the online community, which is, the biggest and most active I've ever known it to be, which is fantastic. We're a worldwide fan base now. We're a worldwide club. Um, the club going over to the United States in the summer was was fantastic, which meant it got to drum up a lot of support and interest stateside, which is brilliant. will help the game grow there, uh, which is great. Um, we, and it, again, this these sorts of things, they blow my mind. The fact that we've got fans in America it blows my mind somewhat um, because I just never would have believed it, you know, back in the 1999 when I was sat in the cold at the with Dean, you know, I'm going to be that guy. But if you had told me then that we'd have fans in Australia and South America, in uh, North America, across Europe, in in parts of Asia, I would have assumed that they would just be Brighton fans who, as in they've moved there. But no, these are fans that are native to those, countries and they take a genuine interest in our club so um, that in itself is mind-blowing and they just add so much to the online community the online community is um like any football online community i suppose you know it's it's got some really great parts to it there's some fantastic discussions being had all the time about transfers about shirts about players about coaches and it's really good. It's a fantastic community that can help you grow as a fan. Um, And it's just filled with knowledge, knowledge that I didn't know. And, you know, I've been supporting the club for over 20 years. Um, So for me, there's always a chance to learn from different people who are older, younger, from a different part of the world. So that's fantastic. Obviously, the caveat of of that is, you know, online communities often have their not so nice sides um, to them. But for, for the most part, you know, that is a uh, not something that you come across too often. And then of course you've got the actual in-person community. You've got the the community that you 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 bump into. You meet when you're down at the Amex for a match day that you you meet when you're at an away day. And it's just, I think it's such a, a friendly and inviting fan base. Um always seem to, you know, enjoy talking to Brighton fans on an away day, um people that I've never met and chances are I'll probably never meet again. Um, but no, there's some fantastic people within the community. Then the club do a lot of community work as well. Albin and the community, I know that's just been rebranded, but it's been a long-standing part of the, the club and it's something that's um it's such an important part of our club and the things that they do to help the wider Brighton and the wider Sussex community are really really admirable. Um, and I think it's just a very well run club and i think that does come down a lot to the fact that the chairman tony bloom is a is a is a brighton supporter and local local man so it's a very community it's a club's got a very big community feel to it and you can you can tell that from all aspects of um of the club's fan base
0: yeah um i think you've been very positive about the football club so far on on this podcast um and there's a lot of good things about it um what would you say is the best thing about Brighton?
1: Tony Bloom. <laughs> um, Tony Bloom. Um, yeah. I don't want to, I need to say this. I don't want to put a disservice on the work, the fantastic work that Dick Knight did as, as chairman of the Albion. He helped save this club from a, you know, a very bleak time. Um, Dick Knight and the consortium, they ensured that this club survived. Um, so I, I want to just preface what I'm about to say with that because Dick Knight is hugely important. But when it came to the building of our stadium, because of the financial crash, um, you know, banks weren't willing to lend, and in steps Tony Bloom, uh, local man. You know, the Bloom family have long since um, you know been invested emotionally um, and financially within the Brighton and Hove Albion club, and when he stepped in, and you know, he said that he would fund. The, the building of the stadium after years of trying to get the damn thing built to, after years of trying to get planning permission after campaigns a song then you know to, to 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 if you think after all that work imagine if the financial crash had happened and tony bloom hadn't stepped in this the we, we the fans worked too hard people worked too hard for that to happen so the fact that Tony Bloom stepped in is um, is fantastic. You know, he funded that stadium, he funded the the building of a, a, class, a first class training complex. Um, all of that has come through him and his you know his wealth and his generosity. Um, yes, the club are in debt. Uh, opposition fans love to remind us of that, but it's a debt that we pay no interest on, and we only pay it back when the club can afford to pay it back. Tony Bloom set no date that he needs that money back or wants that money back. And he's just overseen this constant rise in Brighton and Hove Albion. And again, you could argue that that goes from before his time back to the with Dean years. But the reality is, under Bloom, we've just achieved and achieved and achieved. And we've punched above our weight. And he has helped us become the club we are today. Um, and he ensures that this club is sustainable. Um, it would be very easy for, for someone of Bloom's wealth to just throw money at players, at at things and coaches and just say, yeah, just make it happen. Um, But he doesn't, you know, everything we do is carefully calculated to ensure that the club is sustainable, that we can build upon good financial practices. And then we can see the benefit of that on the pitch, you know, Tony Bloom and Star Lizard, this company that he set up that helps identify targets that helps identify players that we can, you know, we can bring into the club that we can de- help develop and then we can help them achieve their goals and dreams of moving on to other clubs. Um That is the Brighton model and it has worked so, so well. There have been players and there have been times where that hasn't been the case, uh, but all the success stories massively offset all of the disasters that have, uh, that have fallen our way. Um, but no, Tony Bloom is just, he's, he's without a doubt in my mind, the best owner of of any football club in the world. Um, you show me one owner that gets the train with fans to away games on a regular basis. Last thing, regular basis. And he sits in with the fans. He's one of us. Um, so, yeah, Tony Bloom is, in my opinion, the single best thing about this club um, because everything this club is is built around him and it's because of him that we are where we are.
0: Spot on. Um, what if anything would you change about your football club?
1: Um, it's really difficult because obviously, you, I think what makes Brighton fans, generally speaking, quite a nice bunch is our humility. We know where we've come from, um, so where we are now is um, it, 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 whilst a surprise in some ways, I think we are still humble fans you know no one is in we 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 give a bit of you know banter i use in inverted commas on uh, social media about being in europe and whatnot but we know who we are we know where we've come from so we're a very humble bunch so it seems a bit sort of i don't know vulgar to, to complain about anything but i think one thing i would like to see change as a general thing is perhaps um the work we do in the transfer window and what I mean by that is not necessarily spending more money but um I think every transfer window we'd sometimes wait until the last minute to to make sure deals deals happen it would just be nice I suppose to get players in at the start of the window or so they can gel with their new teammates um but again that's really I feel really panicky saying that um because it's such a minor thing. Because I I know that we'll bring players in for the right price. We'll bring the play, the right players into the club, and we're not gonna breach our you know our salary cap. We're not gonna buy players for mega money because that's not how we do things. But sometimes I would like to see players brought in slightly earlier, um, just so they can gel with their teammates. But again, it feels really panicky. But you've asked me a question, so I'm gonna answer it honestly. <laughs>
0: God, time, you don't want much, do you? Bloody hell! No, I don't. Football club gives you the world, and and that's all you can <laughs> bloody ask for. Honestly, Um I I jest, of course. Um, so we've been quite positive so far, I think. Um, yeah. but I and I think this would probably quite hard to answer at the moment because they're doing so well. But when times get tough, as a Brighton fan, what keeps you believing and what keeps you? supporting
1: it's a, it's a, on honestly the answer is going to come across as so gatekeeping and i i'm not a gatekeeping fan i'm not the sort of fan who likes to well you weren't at the golds you know you weren't at gillingham but the, it's time bad times are relative um so for me no matter how badly we do in the premier league even relegation will never be as bad as the mid 90s losing games Will that we when we lost to West Ham at the weekend it it was wasn't great to watch, but it wasn't as bad as losing to nine man Warsaw, so I think it's perspective um it is of course completely okay if you for fans to be unhappy when results don't go our way, and if we see a season where but like we did when Chris Houghton was in charge in her his final season. Things weren't going particularly well and it looked like we could be relegated. It's absolutely fine that fans get cross and upset at those times. And I don't want to sort of gaslight people and saying, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. You shouldn't feel like that. But I suppose for me, it just comes from that perspective. It could be worse. So I'm hoping that, you know, as time's going, because I'm not arrogant enough to assume that we're, we'll never get relegated from the Premier League. I think it's more often, you know, it's more likely than not. To be honest, but hopefully through the the hard work of the club, the coaches, and the players, that won't happen for many years to come, if at all. Um, But if that did become an eventuality, I know that the club is well run enough to to bounce back. And even if we did find ourselves in the championship or even League One again for a number of years, like teams like Sunderland, Portsmouth, Wolves have done over the last decade or so. my my overall sort of feeling is it could be worse.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, we've had a very good look into your perspective as a Brighton fan uh, and a little bit of detail about the journey of the football club um, whilst you've been a fan. Um, but let's go right back to the start and we'll end at the end because that's the best place to end, I find. Um Tell me about your perspective as a Brighton fan, looking at this journey. Try and summarize as much as you can, like how crazy it's been, how sad it's been, how happy it's been. Just give me a little bit of insight into that.
1: <laughs> it's been a bit of a roller coaster to be honest um say so when I first started supporting the club, it was a very unpopular thing to do um. You know, I said at the, you know, the start of the show that it was a local team. Um, so that's why I supported them. They were my dad's club, my granddad's club, local Sussex lads. Um, but when I was a kid, most of my friends supported Manchester United. This was the era of Alex Ferguson. You know, they'd just come off the, the win, the treble in 99. Um, some of my friends supported Arsenal uh, in the early noughties because Arsenal were like, you know, they did the invincible season. Um, So supporting Brighton in those early days for me was, um, I'm not going to say hard because that would be the wrong word, but it was unfashionable. Um, So there was no shame on my part because for me, that's just the club I supported. And if people didn't like it, tough. So those early years were sort of like no one particularly paid much attention Um, when I rocked up to football training in my Brighton shirt, apart from the first day. Where I was made fun of by the coaches and the uh, some of the other youngsters there, but over time it just became you know one of those things. They were all there in their Man United shirts, Arsenal shirts, Chelsea shirts, whatnot, and there was me in my skint Brighton shirt. That just became the norm. So my journey started off quite sort of like under the radar, very much like Brighton, Um, you know, as the. The years went on at the With Dean, a lot of cold games, a lot of rainy games. I think the with the weather at the With Dean, it was one extreme or the other. It was either freezing cold, hammering it down with rain, or boiling hot. There was no sort of in-between. Um, and those years, looking back on them now, I look back on them very, very fondly. Um, we had some fantastic times, promotions, got to see the likes of Bobby Zamora scoring for fun. Um and then as the sort of the Amex years rolled around, it was this brand new sparkly stadium. And But even then, Brighton was still under the radar. Um, and then they got into the Premier League. And again, Brighton are under the radar. No one's particularly paying us much attention. It's finishing the top 10 for the first time. You know, it comes a bit of a surprise to people. Then we finish inside the top six and people are suddenly talking about us. It's, I think... Yeah, I think it's it's just a, a strange roller coaster ride of a club. I don't know how many other clubs in the top flight bar, maybe Luton, can sort of maybe and maybe Bournemouth, perhaps Brentford as well, can sort of empathise with the sort of the journey that Brighton have Albion Football Club has been on. There's been so many highs, there's been a few lows, but not too many actually in my time as a fan. Um, so my if I had to pick one word to describe the journey, it would be roller coaster. Um, As Jack Albion likes to say, you just got to ride it because um, that's the fun about being a Brighton supporter. It's never dull. You have these moments of, you know, complete and total bliss and you have moments where you're tearing your hair out. So um, throughout it all, it's just been incredibly fun. Um, So enjoyable to watch the club progress year upon year Um, and for the club to grow and become noticed. And, you know, we're, we're currently... You know, on course to to sign a Barcelona project. This this young kid that's taken the number ten shirt off of Messi when he left. You know, these are these these are things things I never thought I'd see. We're fit, you know we're shopping in the same shops that you know the biggest clubs in the world shop in, and there's still a sense of disbelief, like a, oh my god, I can't believe we're actually doing this. I can't believe that Brighton have the audacity. To charge Chelsea Football Club hundred and fifteen million pounds for a player, and when I started supporting it, Gary Hart, we we bought him for a thousand pounds and some tracksuits. It just, oh, it just doesn't compute. It's just been a mad one, Joe.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair. And roller coasters are fun, so why wouldn't <laughs> you like to ride the Brighton and Hove Albion roller coaster? Exactly. Um, so. Here's a fun question. So let's say you're speaking to someone who's new to football and they're looking for a club to support. They've got no bias whatsoever. What do you tell them to convince them that your club is the right one to
1: support? Oh, that's a really tough question. I'd probably um I'd probably talk to them about Tony Bloom. I'd probably go take them back to this podcast and be like, listen to this little snippet where I talk about our owner. Um Brighton are a club that are unassuming, humble that that are doing great things we're doing it without the need to spend obscene amounts of money we do spend a lot of money I'm not going to sit here and pretend that 30 million pounds for Jao Pedro isn't a huge amount of money because of course in the grand scheme of things it is but when you can put that in context with what our, our our rivals are spending um it's sort of like a you know a little sort of stone falling in the middle of a pond um as I say, we're we're a humble club with humble fans um, who just want to watch our team do well. We don't support our team because they are the biggest. We don't support the team because they are, quote unquote, the best. We support them because it's our local team, because it's the team that has ties into our families, into our communities. And that is why we support this club, not for glory, not for silverware. But because it means something on a much, much deeper level. And um, I don't, I'm sure that I'm, I don't want to sort of put out a blanket statement, but I know, let's be honest, there are a lot of fans out there from certain clubs that can't say that if they're being brutally honest with themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think this club has a lot more to it than just the foot, what happens on the football pitch, a lot more to it um and i think that is why brighton are a club that you should support mr alien <laughs> there
0: you go um now you've you've summed up the albions journey in one word can you sum up the club in one word
1: ooh that's um a tough one one word to sum up this club um there are so many that I could use. I think I need more than one, but if I had to have one word, I would, uh, I'd probably be, I'd probably use the word surprising. Because they <laughs> will always surprise you. they will always surprise you. And, you know, I mean that in a positive way. Um, this club will always go above and beyond expectations. Um, and I think that's something that we continue to do. Um, and I think, as I say, people are starting to take notice of that and whether that will have a, a detrimental effect or a positive effect, we don't quite know yet. We've seen in this transfer window, for instance, you know, Brighton normally like to do their transfer dealings very much under the radar. They don't like things being made public. And this is probably the first summer that I can remember where lots of information has come out via the press that actually has turned out to be true. Um, in the past, it's always been, oh, yeah, that's not true. That's just a rumour. But now it seems a lot of our dealings are getting, you know, aired out, um, which is somewhat surprising. So it's as the, the club gains more attention, as it gains more interests from outside parties, it's about how the club deal with that. But I have every faith that the club will continue to deal with things incredibly well, incredibly professionally. And they will continue to surprise us in the best way possible.
0: Love that. Um, final question for you, Tom, before I let you go. Football ends tomorrow, right? How do you want your football club to be remembered?
1: I want our football club to be remembered as this club that came out from the brink. From the brink of exiting the Football League. From where the reality is the brink of almost facing non-existence to 25 years later, finishing in the top six of the Premier League. That journey it should not be understated. They have gone through hellfire to get where they are today. And whilst we don't have the same sort of tagline as Luton, who have gone from non-league to the Premier League, I think um if we had dropped into non-league in ninety seven, that would have been it, especially without a home. So I would like our club to be remembered as the club that defied the odds that went through hell as i say to to reach the pinnacle of football and to challenge the teams that can outspend them that can have more sway but they went toe-to-toe with those teams and they didn't blink they didn't back down and they fought for where they are today they didn't buy it they didn't uh, splash the cash to get here they earned it that's how i would like our team to be remembered
0: i love that tom um Thank you for joining me today on the first Behind the Badge podcast. No problem. Um, Where can people find you uh, if they want to follow the Brighton & Hove Albion
1: journey? So if you want to follow the Brighton & Hove Albion journey, you can look at the BHAFC hashtags. You can follow me, if you are so inclined, uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at exiled seagull you can also find me and my shirt collecting uh, antics on instagram again at exiled seagull and i'm also part of a uh, podcast a brighton Have albion podcast called albion obsessed um and uh, you can find us on all social media platforms at albion obsessed
0: lovely thank you tom and uh, no feels weird for me to say but good luck to brighton
1: <laughs> let's, let's hope you're right let's have some luck
0: Absolutely. Cheers,
1: Tom. Cheers, brother.
0: Thank you for joining me on today's episode. It's been great to chat with Tom about his journey as an Albion fan. If you wish to follow him on social media, please do so using the tags that he mentioned at the end. And I'll see you next time as we hear stories from behind another batch.